This is episode 72 with Nathan Chan. This is Crowdfunding Uncut, the place where creators and entrepreneurs come to learn how to launch a successful crowdfunding campaign. Here's your host, Kirsten Ross. Hey guys, welcome back. Kirsten here. Um, if you've been a long-time listener of the show, you're going to recognize the name Nathan Chan from Founder Magazine because we had him on the show quite a few episodes back, actually, um, where he talked about how he created a digital media empire online through Founder Magazine in three years. And this episode is actually going to be focused on Kickstarter because Founder Magazine just released a physical coffee table book for business, which is not something that many, if anyone, has done. And it has been a very successful project. They just wrapped up on Kickstarter actually today, and they're going in demand on Indiegogo. And um, I wanted to bring Nathan onto the show because they have, you know, their digital um, presence online. They've never done physical products, and they also had a established audience. So I really wanted to see, like, what the differences were for him, like why he chose Kickstarter as opposed to launching the physical coffee table book through his own audience, and what are some of the differences that he's found on launching through Kickstarter versus your typical internet marketing launch that you do with your own email list and all that stuff. And Nathan, I just love the guy because he's so raw and very giving in terms of what he wished he did better. And while the campaign um, has raised over 100K, they've been super successful, um, they do have some quite a few tips that uh, they wish they did differently that he's shared with you guys in this interview. So I'm just really excited to bring him back onto the show and like dissect his campaign, what he did really well, and, and what he wishes he did differently um, if he could go back three weeks. So let's get into the interview. Hey, Nathan. I'm so excited to have you back on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Kirsten. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. I'm really amazed with how awake you are at what, 8.30 a.m.? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm used to doing this. Yeah. Um, it's cool because uh, I interviewed the Merrymaker sisters in Australia like a few months ago, and it was 6.30 a.m. their time, and they're just, they were insane. Like, how, are, how do you have this much energy? And they're just like, oh, I'm just, we're naturally like this all the time. <laughs> yeah, that's true. They are. Uh, <laughs> they're awesome. Do you get a chance to hang out with them much? Um, yeah, a little bit. Sometimes when they come down to Melbourne or I've been in the Gold Coast. So, yeah, we usually hang out um, if each other in – yeah, or, or conferences. So, yeah, um, I do see them probably like this year. I've seen them at least three or four times. Jealous because uh, I need to physically go to Australia to see them. But <laughs> I caught up with them in New York in the summer when they um, came over for like a three-week trip. So that was pretty nice. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So um, we had you on the show before when actually before it was a crowdfunding podcast it, when I was uh, doing the Entrepreneur Uncut. And um, we got the... I don't want to go too much into your backstory because, guys, if you want to hear a great um, interview on how Nathan created Founder Magazine and a digital empire online, I'm going to link to interview one in the show notes. But, Nathan, the reason I'm bringing you back on the show is because you are in the middle of a really successful crowdfunding campaign on Kickstarter for Founder Magazine. And I just want to 
Um, talk about that and what it's been like for you to leverage your brand to have a big launch and why you chose Kickstarter and like, you know, that whole conversation. So, um, let's dig into that. Like what inspired you to create a physical book from a digital publication? Um, a few reasons because we only produce, you know, uh, essentially digital products and digital things for a digital media company. We get requests every single day is the magazine in print. And then, you know, that was one thing that a lot of people kept asking. And then another thing people kept asking was, um, I guess, where do I start? You know, I found, I found your brand, you know, where, where do I start? I've just started or, or, you know, I've got so much to work through. So I wanted to create a best of album and, you know, we were working on doing that in digital form for sure. Like that was an idea that I had two years ago. So I've been running founder for three and a half years and two years ago, um, I, you know, just before I left my day job, um, so it was two and a half years ago, just before I left my day job, I had this idea to, to, you know, get all the best interviews from the magazine and compile it into an ebook and put it on Amazon, but, um, just never executed it. And then one of our, one of our writers, uh, Kate, she come to me at the start of this year and said, Oh, let's do this. Let's, you know, create an ebook on the best of. And then I was like, you know what? Like then she started pulling all the content together and, you know, it, it was just amazing. And I was like, you know what? We should probably turn this to a print book. And um, not just not just like a not just a soft copy book, and she's like, yeah, okay. And then I was like, you know what? I, I've got an idea. Let's do let's just crowdfund it as well, because I think when you crowdfund, um, when when you put you know your your yourself out there on on Kickstarter or Indiegogo or whatever, I think just with your existing audience, it's just a great way to just say, you know. Hey, do you want to support this project as opposed to buy this thing, buy this thing, buy this thing, buy this thing? And I think it gives people the opportunity to be involved. So it it's just been a magical process to involve our community of bringing a project to life because, you know, most last but not least, the the biggest reason was I didn't know if people would care about a business coffee table book, which doesn't even exist. Um, there are no business coffee table books. So yeah, you know, those for you know, all those reasons that's why we kind of uh, launched this thing and you know, with full transparency, if it didn't work out, um, we'd still we'd still go ahead with the book, but we just do a digital copy. We wouldn't do print. Uh, we didn't know if people would care and uh, you know, lucky enough, um, people do care enough and our, our community's been really amazing to get behind the project. So yeah, that's 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 why I did it. And when you say that you didn't know whether people would get behind the coffee table book um, you obviously had a really solid pre-launch to build up awareness when your own audience and get people really excited to support the project when you went live on Kickstarter. But how did you, like, did you do anything to get feedback or gauge the excitement level with this book before you even went live? Yeah, we did a few things. Um, so with the help of you, we had, we had, with your help, we, we come up, we, we had a great structure for pre-launch because when I come to you to, to ask for help, uh, I was very lost. So you, thank you for, for giving us that structure that we needed. Uh, one thing we did that, um, I think was really powerful was we created, um, a segmented list from our existing, uh, email newsletter database. 
And from that existing list, so like a segmented list of people that are interested in the book, um, for in our database, from that, we invited people to be a founder insider. And what that meant was essentially being an ambassador for the book. And, uh, you know, we, we just created a little free Facebook group. And uh, if you were an insider, you, you know, if you wanted to be an insider, you had to fill out an application form or just on, just on type form, and you had to apply. And uh, what that did was that, I guess, uh, essentially filtered people out that didn't have the time, but they might have been interested. Because if they have the time to fill out an application, you know, it's just a, a high level of involvement and, and validation or, or qualification, I guess, to, to get people that are serious. And, um, you know, as, as an ambassador, we would show you behind the scenes of how we're doing this and we'll reveal everything. And you can, you know, really help get behind promoting the book and, and get into help us get into the hands of as many people as possible. And, um, yeah, that's something that we did and, and people went crazy for it, um, which is, which was really, really cool to see. So yeah, there were some early stages of speaking to people even right now, you know, we've got seven days left. Linda has been getting on the phone. It was like, she, we've been sending private messages to people that are backing the campaign that are not in the founder community that we don't know of. Um, there are a lot of people that we don't know of, but there are a lot that we do, you know, and um, get asking, you know, private messaging people, sending them a Calendly link, giving them a gift in exchange for just finding out how they're finding us, what they like about the project, what would if they would recommend it to a friend, you know, what would that friend do? What would that, you know, what would they like? Why would it be interesting to that friend? And just asking a series of questions just to find out a lot about the people that are backing it. Um, that you know, that customer development is key. But yeah, so. To answer your question, yeah, that is one thing that we did, and we built an interest list as well to build hype. I love that. So there are two things you did. When you went live, you had a big list of backers, um, and you just private messaged the people who weren't on Founder that you could identify and just did that. Um, I really like that. Cool. Yeah. Um, I'm curious with the insiders, because like that tip what you guys did I remember like being on the phone with you and I was like what is this group this is really smart why are you doing that so I want to rehab that conversation um I've seen insider groups done before and by insider I mean like a general Facebook group where it's like hi to find out more join our Facebook group but you didn't do it the normal way the way you did it was you instead of saying like join our private Facebook group to get free perks it was we need a street team. So you have to apply to be in this and you have to help us promote it. So can you walk me through why you decided to go the by application exclusivity, you have to help be our street team only? Like why you did that versus just a Facebook group? Um, because I think there's a certain level of commitment involved. And and um, please don't get me wrong. Like we have a lot of prizes for people if we, we ask people to do five things and it would take you literally 15 minutes and if you do it, like it's like support the Thunderclap campaign, share on face, um, you know, sign up to UpViral, which is another tool which I, I probably should mention to you that I'll tell you about as well mm-hmm. later. And then also, um, you know, upvote on Product Hunt and then, you know, comment on our Reddit AMA. And then that's – those are the five things and you get your name in the book at minimum. And then there's all sorts of prizes for – Everyone else, like that, that like in the top ten, that gets the most points. 
So we use this tool called UpViral, which is really, really cool, really, really powerful, which uh, facilitates a viral loop. And what that does is is it gives people points. And uh, so let's say you sign up to get a free chapter of the book. Once you sign up, you know you get a referral co- you get a referral link, and you know the you know the more shares you send people to that referral link, and the more shares that you get, the more email signups that you refer, you get points. And uh, pretty much, you know that, and then you know that people other the existing hub of people promoting refers a whole ton of other people promoting. And from just up viral, we generated you know, 3,000 leads, uh, 3,000 people that were interested in the book to get the free chapter, all just self, self-fulfilling. self So that was how we, I guess, uh, worked out who we're going to give prizes to because we're going to do you know copies of the book, we're going to do signed copies, we're going to do all sorts of things. But those five things you, know, you have to do to get your name in the book. So the reason we had an application process is if we made it just like, hey, guys, um, you know, we're doing this, 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 and this, uh, join, just join or to, to get involved, join this Facebook group. I think just that level of commitment wouldn't be there unless you signed out an application form because that allowed us to, to qualify people that weren't that serious. The people that were super serious, they took the time to fill out the application form. So we had about 200 people that filled it out. And, it, and that was, we only provided that to people that only said they were interested in the book. Um, and yeah, I just think it's just a great way to pre-qualify people to see how serious they are because, you know, they, we, we are asking people for their time to do things. We are going to reward them, but still at the same time, I think a lot of people join these free Facebook groups and don't really do anything. So if you have a free Facebook group, I believe one of the best ways to get people to join is through an application process because that's going to filter out anyone that's just going to be there anyway. And there's nothing worse than joining a free Facebook group that has like a thousand people and you post a question or you post something and no one responds. Yeah. And when I saw this whole, because I was in your insiders group too, and I saw the um, exactly what you're doing, it's not like you're like, Guys, you have to help us. It's you gave exclusive perks for their help. Yeah, 100%. So, and when we did this with Jamstack, because uh, as soon as I saw the strategy you use, we implemented it with Jamstack. And it was just amazing to see like from our list of 3,000 um, that we built up before about five or 600, no, 700 uh, filled out the application to be an insider. And then our Facebook group had 500 people in it. And the level of engagement in that group was insane. Like it gave, we made sure the founder went in there uh, to do live, to to show the product and do um, special behind the scenes or AMAs or whatever. But people, because Jamstack is a guitar accessory, um, we had people posting videos of them going live, playing their guitars and saying, I'm really excited to get the Jamstack for this. And like, it was just really cool to see because I don't think that if we had not gone through the application process and offered that level of engagement from the team perspective that we would have had a strong of a boost on that first day. Yeah, um, I think I think yeah, having having that tight connection to to the community or, or people that I guess uh, you know not your thousand true fans but just true fans I think is very very powerful because. What what's been interesting from the from a customer development perspective is people are like backing from seeing a friend sharing it, and that's what's interesting. And that share 
is probably be coming from an insider, like someone in our ambassador group for the book. Let's just hold the interview for two seconds. I want to give a shout out to the guys over at Backer Kit and say thank you for sponsoring this episode. Without you guys, the show may not be possible. And for you beautiful people listening to this show, if you're not familiar with what Backer Kit is, they are a crowdfunding fulfillment software service that helps you stay organized after your campaign is finished, facilitate upsells, manage backer data, address changes, and makes the whole um, process of fulfillment super easy for you guys. So I know part of my earlier campaigns, we were buried deep in spreadsheets, and it was just such a nightmare if someone wanted to upsell something after the campaign or, um, heck, even change an address, because that is not something that is easy with crowdfunding, and BackerKit actually was created from a uh, frustrated crowdfunder that uh, wanted a better solution. So they're one of the top in the industry. Highly, highly, highly recommend them. They've been great helping us on a couple of campaigns here. So to take advantage of their exclusive offer for the Uncut community, go to backerkit.com and use the code uncut at checkout to get 50% off of setup fees. All right, back to the show. So with, with the campaign then you have raised like in what, three weeks, cause you did a 30 day campaign. Yep. Um, so in three weeks you've raised just over a hundred K, which is awesome. Um, what were some of the things that you learned about r- Kickstarter that you didn't know before? Oh, heaps. Um, <laughs> the top three. Yeah, okay. So with physical products, um, you have to build shipping into the cost. We thought we'd, we'd try and make the book as cheap as possible. So we could literally have, for each book sold, we have a 10% margin. <laughs> and we wanted to make the book as cheap as possible. And then obviously we made shipping the true reflection of what shipping is. And from doing that, uh, we really burnt ourselves because um, – you know, to get the book right now for an early bird is $45. And if you want to ship it anywhere outside of US or Canada, it's $40. And people look at that from a psychological perspective and they're like, yeah, no, nah, I'm not paying 45 for shipping. So that's probably the biggest epic mistake that we've made. And I believe, Kirsten, you know, we the campaign would probably be at least double because uh, we've had so many people email us, so many people contact us, so many people disappointed um, that the shipping is what it is and we just have to explain to them, you know, this is why it is what it is. And, yeah, people just don't want to pay big prices for shipping, even though it's in Australian dollars too. It's, we usually charge in U.S. We couldn't charge in U.S. because we don't have a U.S.-based company and we had to, you know, list on Kickstarter Australia. So mm-hmm. long story short, uh, that, that was a big, big learning curve. So if you do do a Kickstarter, don't make your shipping prices high, build it into the product. Uh, and, and just think about the psychological perspective of if your product is the cheapest price possible, what does that look like against the shipping? Because I didn't understand. I've backed Kickstarter projects before, but not enough to really – I didn't really look at the look at the buying process. Like it's a little bit savage where you're like, oh, yep, click $45 or $40 for a book, and then all of a sudden it just automatically goes to 80 and I'm just, And I'm just like, what? Oh, well, why, why is it 80 And then you, you just kind of get confused. It doesn't, yeah, it's it's really, it's a bit rough. So that was a big one. Um, I didn't know as well how much it's all about actually to, to really do, 
like a super, super successful campaign, you have to, even if you have a reasonable size audience, like, like we have a reasonable size audience, right? But we're getting so much drop off because one, people don't understand what's going on. Two, people just, you know, you just get so much drop off from Kickstarter and three people are super confused and, and uh, they don't want to back it from Kickstarter. They just want it now. Um, so so what, I, what I'm understanding is that it's all about tapping into the Kickstarter audience as much as possible. So they get, you know, I think they've got like a, a database. I think, I don't know, I, I can't remember, but someone was telling me the stats like maybe, and you, you would know this, I think like 15 million people or something. And it's, and apparently only 2 million people um, have backed a project more than once. So you really want to tap into that, you know, core community of 2 million people. And right now with Founder, majority of our backers, like 70% are all first-time backers to Kickstarter. So they're people from our audience. And we haven't really tapped into that Kickstarter audience. Mm -hmm. So that one of the best ways to tap into that Kickstarter audience, I believe, is either you get press on their sites or like, like, you know, of these Kickstarter audiences Mm -hmm. where they hang out. So you just find out where they hang out or you do Facebook ads. And that's, that brings me to the, probably the the third piece. Yeah. So the second piece is just, I didn't realize how important it is to tap into that Kickstarter audience and try and tap into that 2 million people, even if you do have a reasonable size audience like we do. Um, And then three is, is, is try and tap into that Kickstarter audience however you can through Facebook ads, I believe. So I didn't know, but it turns out that all these big campaigns, um, like the ones that do 2 million, a million, 10 million, whatever, a big part of it, not all of it, but a big part of it has been driven from paid acquisition through Facebook ads. But the the most interesting thing is, the people that are doing the Facebook ads are actually not the ones that, like, not someone in house in the team, or not just a just a you know an agency. It's it's actually like a, a company. You know, there's a couple of companies out there that specialize in just Facebook ads for Kickstarter or PPC for Kickstarter. And yeah, we're talking like the funded today, the Jellop, the command partners. Yep, hundred yep, percent. This is this is like an underground thing that I've just realized, and I wish that I had have gone to Jellop, and we would have been crushing so much harder. So if I knew that stuff about the shipping, and I knew this stuff about Jellop stuff, I reckon we could get to 400, 500 for sure. I have no doubt about it, um, because we have very big retargeting audiences at Founder. We could we could tap into people that are you know you know a Kickstarter, like so. Long story short, um, these guys they they you know all the big campaigns they all use like an agency like this that I didn't know. And you have to sacrifice. You have to be prepared to sacrifice profit. So it comes down to what the goal is of your campaign for us. You know, it's more than anything, we want to bring this amazing project to life, and it's a strong branding exercise. It's going to allow us, the brand, to go to another vertical. It's going to allow us, the brand, to level up. It's a great story, and it's going to allow us to tap into a, you know, take the brand more into the mainstream, you know, and, and take, you know, not just people that follow, you know, entrepreneurship and online and podcasts and all that kind of stuff. It's a Kickstarter audience, so it, it helps us take it further into the mainstream. It's a good press story, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, you have to be willing to sacrifice profit because all of these agencies, they take a, a percentage of what they generate 
from you from 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 ads and also you know a lot of them have fees etc etc it can be quite expensive but um yeah if i knew what i knew now i would have signed up with these guys you know from straight away but you don't know because once you once you launch you just get bombarded with so much spam and all these people trying to sell you stuff it's so hard to know who to trust what to do and yeah those yeah those two things are shipping tapping into the Kickstarter audience and then using an agency that are masterful that have these big retargeting lists of, of that 2 million backers is, is where it's at. Yeah. I really like, and I want to draw emphasis to something you said that you have to be willing to sacrifice profit. Um, this is something that a lot of newbie entrepreneurs that are looking to bring their product online. They're like, Oh, I am doing Kickstarter to make a bunch of money. Um, you can't look at it like that. It's you really should be looking to break even on your campaign, in my opinion, or make just a little bit of profit because it is a, a business startup cost. So when you say you're looking to, even though you need to give away a portion of the profits to get your campaign up there, like what if you didn't have a brand and you had this amazing gadget that with a uh, like a agency like Jellop, you raise the difference of one hundred and fifty thousand on your own versus seven hundred thousand. What kind of evaluation can that give you? And you really have to look longer term with what that amplification can do for you in terms of leverage. So I really like yeah, how you said agreed. that. So agreed, hundred percent. Because I think for us, it's about the story too. You know, and this is another string. To, to the brand's bow where, you know, we did a, a successful Kickstarter campaign or, you know, we interviewed Richard Branson, you know, these, these are, you know, stories. And that's something that I look at when it comes to marketing or growing, growing the founder brand is, is, is how can I tell a story around everything, something that we're doing and, and, you know, people get a peek inside and then that's, that's what keeps people coming back and that's what draws people attention. That's what you get that cut through. Um, so this is a story for us. This is a marketing exercise more than ever, but it's also a way to validate a product and bring this amazing uh, book to life. And it's just the beginning for us. You know, it's it's just the beginning, really. We we we, we can put it in Amazon. You know, that Kickstarter page, the Indiegogo page, they're going to be there forever. You know, we're going to get constant organic traffic to that. Um, you know, we're going to get the book into bookstores. We're going to be able to sell it over our Shopify site. We're going to be able to sell it uh, and put it in, into our welcome email series. We're going to put it all sorts of places, but people will just find the brand for the first time. So, it's, yeah, it's, it's just the beginning, and that's what I think um, It's sometimes it's easy to forget. It's just the beginning. Yeah, and one thing, uh, too, like I consider – well, okay, you look at – uh, someone like you with a big audience, someone like John Lee Dumas with a big audience, and you may not need Kickstarter to uh, fund this this project. I'm curious why you decided to do a Kickstarter versus launching this to your own list. Great question. I think one branding exercise. Um, I think it's just. Um, I think. I think. It, I think. Like I said, the story is stronger. I think the story on Kickstarter is stronger. I think, you know, even being able to see how much money we're making, people like seeing that stuff. We've never done I, that before. I know. It's so <laughs> great because you wake up and you're like, ah, another like 5K just came in last night and everyone sees it. Yeah, yeah. It's you, it's really putting yourself on the line. But 
branding and story, I think, is is a very very big one, Kirsten. I think we wouldn't have been able to to have as much of a of a, a branding exposure and story if we didn't use Kickstarter. I don't think, to be honest, because um, it's not as interesting. And then. And people can't see how much we're making, and people don't care. Like people just won't care enough. I don't think if we didn't do it through Kickstarter for this particular project. And then two, um, yeah, we could have validated that we just didn't need to use Kickstarter's page and all their everything that they've got going on. We could just send people to a Shopify store for sure, but we wanted to tap into the Kickstarter audience to take the brand more mainstream. Mm-hmm. And then three. I just think it's just a beautiful way to to involve your community to bring a project to life. It is such less of a harder sale, and I um I, I just think it's you know it's just fun. Like we're just having a lot more fun with it as opposed to a to a launch. Um, so yeah, that's they're the reasons that we did it. You know, just uh, as a creative fun project. Um, that you know I've always wanted to do a Kickstarter campaign. Um, I want to validate it branding exercise story and uh just i think it's just a great way to involve your community behind uh something that you're doing yeah i love that um another thing i didn't i've meaning to ask you is like founders received a lot of great press in the past and then when i go to pitch for any new kickstarter project i'm on i treat it like an event and it's a new thing that hasn't been done before i'm curious like did you guys actively pitch press around the launch and what sort of roadblocks did you experience with pitching when you already have an established brand and and stuff like that yeah that's a really good question something that i missed out kirsten with full transparency that's another thing that we've it's been a pretty epic fail for us is press um yeah, we haven't really been able to strike gold. Uh, and probably because, to be honest, maybe our product isn't interesting enough. Like I look at – like since I'm on Kickstarter now every day, I'm looking at other projects. I reckon I've backed probably about 15 other projects in the past three weeks just because I'm so in awe of some of these things that people are creating and I just want it. They are just so cool. You know, we're doing a hardcover coffee table business book. That's not as exciting as a drone or a series of drones that can move together and link up or, you know, just this like really cool neck pillow for when you're traveling. Like there are so many cool things on there that I can see why they, they are getting press in Wired or TechCrunch or Mashable. And for us, it's it's been a real struggle, to be honest. It's only been probably this past week that we've actually been able to strike some gold and we do have, you know, features in Forbes, Inc., Entrepreneur. We we got a, a few and a half in the post in the early days just for you know, knowing the journalist. But, yeah, haven't really struck gold on press. We've had a lot of, you know, I've, I've done literally like 30 podcasts. That's probably been the strongest piece on press. But mainstream media, um, yeah, haven't had much luck, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, I hope that answers your question. But, yeah, haven't had much luck. Haven't yeah. had much luck. More than anything, it's just the relationship you have with the journalist I've found or existing connections. Yeah, fair enough. No, you bring up a good point because, like, it's even some of the campaigns I've been on, like, and I was just talking uh, with Roy Morgan of Command Partners, and he's like, yeah, you know, pitching or press around crowdfunding campaigns is so hard now because they really want to see, A, that it's something truly novel and unique. They want to be able to touch it and feel it and, and everything. And also... Um, 
they want to make sure it's funded because the amount of bad press that crowdfunding is getting right now around not delivering products or Scully going bankrupt and all this stuff, like they're just really wary of it. Yeah, 100%. So, yeah, they want to see the product product even out there. So one thing we're going to do is like we're going to do like we've got, you know, 200, 300 books that we're going to send out. Once 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 we do our printing in April, we'll have like 200 books and we'll send a copy of each book to, to every single entrepreneur that we're featured and then we'll send a, a copy uh, to, to key targeted journalists. Um, and, yeah, hopefully that springs up some good stuff. Yeah. And we'll package yeah, yeah. it in a way that it stands out like Purple Cow style, like how um, – Seth Godin, I don't know if you know this, but when he when he released Purple Cow, he sent people the book packaged up in a in a carton of milk, but it oh, was God. it had like polka dots all over it, so it was just a great way to stand out. Um, really, oh, really smart Pur- because he was doing Purple Cow, like you know, he was using the strategy in the book. So, yeah, just a great way to stand out. So we'll do something like that too. Yeah, I've seen even Tim Ferriss doing that with Tools of the Titans. Like he's just sending the book out to influencers before it's even um, available. Which it's now available, yeah. but yeah, I love that. Um, let me know if I can help with any connections or whatnot. But yeah, thank you. Cool. All right. Well, I know you got to go. So, do you have any famous last words before we wrap this up? Um, no. I think I think we're good. I think um, you delve pretty deep. Uh, I just guess I could say that if you are going to run a crowdfunding campaign or you're thinking about doing it. Um, definitely get help and speak to as many people as you can. Um, you know, we, I, I, with full transparency, I reached out to Kirsten. She's been really helpful and she gave us this amazing launch checklist. And yeah, one thing I've learned is you just got to, you know, it's such a world of unknown when you're first doing your first ever crowdfunding campaign. So the more people that you speak to, the more you can find out around how to do it. So we've, we've interviewed like, close to 10 extremely successful crowdfunding campaigners. And, um, you know, we spoke to Kirsten, we spoke to all these different people because it's just it's just so much unknown if it's your first time you, mm-hmm. and you just got to do so much research. So, yeah, that's just my last piece of advice. Um, and don't think, don't think, one, you need a big audience or an audience to – to build a camp successful campaign and two don't think because you have if you do have a big audience or reasonable size audience that your campaign will be successful because what i'm finding that both those things don't mean shit it's all about tapping into people that are in the kickstarter community that have an account understand what's going on and regularly back stuff they're the people you want to hit that's going to be the easiest sell i think um because, yeah, with full transparency, I think if we weren't using Kickstarter and we didn't stuff up the shipping, we'd be doing we, we would be doing a lot more than a hundred k, I think. And that's I don't say to I don't say that to mean um, to be arrogant. I'm just saying that because um, you know we've done you know reason, reasonable size launches before, and and uh, also um, I, I'm just getting a lot of feedback. Yeah, I love it. And it's it's cool too because everyone from the outside's like, oh my God, you've raised $100,000. It's amazing. But then the team have, has expectations of what they want to hit, right? <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, so funny. Yeah, I'm very ambitious. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, I remember with like Jamstack, we, um, everyone's like, wow, you're killing it. But then on the team, we had higher expectations around certain things. And it's just like, oh, I guess, well, to everyone else, it looks okay. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And I, I, I looked at that and I was like, oh wow, you guys are doing really, really well. And then, yeah, you told me you guys aren't happy, and I was like, oh, okay, really. And then, yeah, you're doing so well. It's like, yeah, but, but we can always, I don't know, like the bar's a bit higher when you've been behind some bigger launches, like because we, we both have, right? So yeah, that's right. So funny. Yeah, that's so true. Cool. All right. Well, I'm going to throw up a link to your Kickstarter page. And if you guys are listening to this when it's over, they're going to be available on Indiegogo's In Demand. So there will be a link to that in the show notes. Or just look up founder, uh, wait, what is it? Founder version 1.0. Yep. Yeah. So look that up and then Indiegogo and you'll find it. So um, this has been fantastic. Thanks so much for being on the show again. Oh, look, thank you so much for helping me, Kirsten. Thank you so much for all your help. I can't thank you enough. Yeah, Nathan is the reason why the checklist is there. He basically, he begged me because he, he's like, you just give me a checklist or something. I'm like, I'm going to make the thing. So if you want access to the physical product launch checklist, head over to crowdfundinguncut.com and pick it up. It's free and it includes full uh, launch strategy prior to launching to make sure you're set up for success. And uh, we'll wrap that up here. Are you launching a product on either Kickstarter or Shopify and you're feeling completely overwhelmed with the process? Hi there, my name is Kirsten, the CEO of Launch and Scale. To date, we've helped several online sellers sell millions of dollars online and scale their business from zero to seven figures by focusing on building an audience of fans that will actually convert into paying customers. If you're serious about building a seven-figure e-commerce brand with less time and less risk, you should check out our product launch pad. PLP is a proven accelerator that takes you step-by-step -step through the process of launching and scaling your product brand. Brands like the Monk Manual, Aberlite, Series Chill, Jamstack, and several others were all launched using our product launch pad. So if you'd like to be our next success story, go to launchandscale.co slash PLP to learn more. And for a limited time, we're offering a seven-day trial of the product launch pad for only $1. Again, go to launchandscale.co slash PLP to learn more.